Curry with the shot, Ben cooking with the sauce, Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301, live from the pot, I want to welcome my audience to episode number 85 of Curry in the Pot. 85, man. <laughs> that Chad Johnson number, man. Episode number 85 is upon us. Wow, it's been it's been quite a journey. I want to thank everybody for it's been supporting me, you know, through all of these episodes, man. It's been it's been an incredible journey. Thank everybody that's been rocking with me. But yeah, nevertheless, it's episode number 85. And episode number 85, a milestone episode, comes on the eve of the 2019 NFL draft that is located in Nashville, Tennessee this year. So I'm really, really looking forward to the draft. It's always an exciting time in the NFL. You know, we get to see new talent enter the league. So it's going to be fun. But to help me discuss NFL draft. Well, hold on. Let me, let me back up a little bit. If you missed last week's episode with my boy Zeke and my boy G, a.k.a. Bink from the G and Dad Sports Show on YouTube. Make sure y'all go check that out. We had a good time talking. It was more like a conversation, honestly. We did talk NBA playoffs, but we also had like a free-flowing conversation about the NFL draft and, you know, just some more things, a bunch of random topics. We had a really good time, a bunch of laughs. It was really fun. So if you missed that one, make sure you go check it out. Uh, If you missed a few episodes before that, you know, Adrian Branch, Mark Tillman, Chris Adoya Chim, make sure you go check those out. But without further ado... I want to introduce two people who have been on the program, you know, a few times. The first guy is a no stranger to Curry in the Pot. Without this guy, I don't think you guys understand, but I would not be doing this show if it wasn't for this guy. So I want to introduce my brother, the co-producer of Curry in the Pot, Mr. B. Jones. B. Jones, what it do? Yo, what's up? I'm glad to be back on talking NFL Draft. It's a good time of the year, NFL Draft, NBA playoffs. So I'm happy to be yes, here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. What a time. What a time. Next up, a guy who was just on here last week. I got a, a 13-year-old phenom. A lot of people was hitting me up raving about this guy. I had a lot of fun, man. I re- really genuinely had fun having him on last week. So I had to get him on again. So I want to introduce my boy, G from the Dad and G Sports Show. It's G, a.k.a. Bink. Bink, what's going on, bro? Nothing much. You know, this is my favorite time of the year. Great time of the year, fellas. So I want to talk to you guys, uh, you know, potential scenarios in this draft. And I don't really like to do the mock draft thing because the draft is so unpredictable. You see teams trading up, trading back. You know, people always fall or rise around the draft. People always, you know, you know, get reached on, you know, like Rashad Penny last year. He got, it was a reach. Uh, So it's always crazy. So I don't really like to do mock drafts. I don't think I did a mock draft since the eighth grade. It just, because you never really know what's going to happen. NBA mock drafts a little easier, but we got some scenarios that Bink has suggested, and we're going to talk about those. And then we're all going to talk about some sleepers. So Bink, I'm going to, you know, pass the torch over to you, bro. Okay. So my first scenario, which I think this one of the least likely scenarios. If the Cardinals take Nick Bosa at one, what do you do if you're the 49ers? Uh, if I'm the 49ers, I'm going to take this one first. B. Jones could do a second. But uh, if I'm the 49ers, I'm going to trade back. I'm going to trade back and get some more picks because obviously if Nick Bosa were to go one, which is highly unlikely, but uh, 
That means Kyler Murray will be there at two. You already have your quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. You might as well trade back. Although I think that would be a nice scheme fit for Kyle Shanahan, but it's it's really tough for them to be able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and then draft Kyler Murray. I just that's highly unlikely. The whole thing is unlikely, but yeah. If that were to happen, if that were the case, I would definitely trade back if I were the 49ers. I have yeah, a question for you. Oh, me, what's up? So if you had to take somebody, who would it be? If I had to take somebody at, with the uh, second pick, if I was a 49ers? Yes. Uh, probably Quentin Williams. A lot of people are saying Quentin Williams is the best player in the draft. And uh, you know how I feel about those Alabama D linemen. You know, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Uh, before that, Jaron Reed. You know, it's like, it's like a factory when Alabama comes up with these D linemen. Like, it really is. And they're all impressive. They're always good. Like, they're never... I don't remember a bad, like, Alabama D lineman, but I think Quentin Williams, he might be the best in, you know, recent memory. So, B. Jones? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I agree with you. I think I think they're going to um, – if that did happen, Nick Bosa went number one to the Cardinals. I think they would – the 49ers would trade out of that spot um, just because they still got some holes on the offense. They need uh, some more playmakers, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the outside wide receiver. And then they also could use um, some extra picks to get some more depth on defense as well. So, yeah, I think they would trade out of that spot. If they did have to pick, I think they would um, pick Josh Allen or uh, or Quentin Williams at that at that spot. Most depth. All right, so for my second scenario, this is a bit of a lengthy one. So at one, the Cardinals take Kyler Murray. Two, 49ers take Nick Bosa. And this is a fantasy world, so I have the Redskins trading up all the way from 14 to select Dwayne Haskins. Four of the Raiders taking Quentin Williams. Buccaneers get Josh Allen. Who do the Giants take at six? Uh, B. Jones, you can start this one off. Okay. So I'm going to start by saying I don't think this one is lightly just because the price to move up from 14 to three would be safe. It's actually 15. Oh, 15. So, which, yeah, it's yeah, actually 15. 15. Falcons yeah. have 14. 15 to 3, and I think the Redskins still have a salty taste in their mouth uh, about how the RG3 thing turned out, so I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. But if the Giants... I don't don't think this affects the Giants too much because I don't think that the Giants want Dwayne Haskins at 6. I could be wrong, but I don't don't think this really affects the draft board too much. Um, At 6... I don't know, because I, I don't think they're going quarter. I don't think they're going offense at six. I think they're going defense. So I think that they would. Uh, who'd you say was going? Who'd you say was going four and five? Quentin Williams four, Josh Allen five. Josh Allen five. Um, shoot, I don't even know. I was thinking probably Devin White or Devin uh, or Ed Oliver, something like that. I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't mm. think the scenario is gonna happen completely but i mean at six i do think the giants would take a defensive player since you know i hear they're not too interested in uh dwayne haskins so i think uh defensive player at six is very very possible yeah i think i think at six they want like somebody off the edge so if josh mm-hmm. allen and uh nick bosa weren't there well nick bosa is definitely not gonna be there but if josh allen wasn't there i kind of think they would trade back to um, you trade back a little further down to get more mm. picks. I could see that too. 
Uh, Bink, so what do you think about these scenarios? You're asking the questions. Okay. So at two, I would think the 49ers would trade back like y'all were saying. But if they had to pick, I would say Quentin Williams as well. Okay. If I was the Giants, like y'all said, I would either trade back or pick Devin White because I feel like Devin White is one of the better players in this draft. Definitely the best linebacker in this draft. He's very fast, very athletic. Okay. So my third scenario, and I have two questions after this. My third, three questions after this. My third scenario is if, which I don't think any of these scenarios are prob- are going to happen. The Cardinals take Nick Bosa at one. 49ers take Quentin Williams at two. And you're the Jets at three. Do you trade back or do you take someone? I think the Jets would definitely trade back. Because uh, they've, they've been a team that's always that's been talking about trading back for a while. But if they didn't, they would probably take... Uh, they would probably take a defensive player. But I think, I think they would trade back because they've been a team who's been talking about trading back. But I guess, you know, the right offer has never presented itself. You know something interesting I heard? What? If the Jets don't trade back, they're taking Ed Oliver at three. Even yeah, if the Williams is I, I, I saw that yesterday. I saw that yesterday. Oh, so Ed Oliver's their guy? Yeah. Really? Okay. Same way. Oh, so, you know, they're lasering on their guy two years in a row. Last year, Sam Donner was their guy all the way through. Now, Ed Oliver. Okay, that's in, so they do, they, they do run a 4-3? Because I heard Ed Oliver is better suited in a 4-3 system, but I just want to make sure. I'm not. I'm not even sure. We don't watch. None of us watch Jets games, so. Right. I I didn't really expect y'all to know, but I don't know. I'm just asking for scheme fit because I heard Ed Oliver is better suited uh, in a 4-3 system. But they just cut their defensive tackle, too. Okay. Okay, okay. I yeah, guess I think, that does make sense. Yeah, I think at three, they definitely go on defense. Probably, probably at Oliver. I, I'm, I'm guessing. If not at Oliver, somebody like Josh Allen, I don't think they would go linebacker or, uh, or defensive back. So somebody, yeah. definitely somebody on the D line or the edge. Okay, so let's start off with one of my three questions. So if Haskins slips past six, do you think a team would trade up for them? And if not, who do you think would take him? Yeah, I think mm. I think I think if he if he slips past six, then um the value to trade up becomes less than if you're trying to move up to three, like you suggested earlier. So I think similar to um yeah, I think then the Cardinals the Cardinals traded up to get Josh Rosen last year, right? Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. So it it would be like something like that. And then once you get into that range, you can see like random teams like the Bengals and uh, the Redskins can get in there too. So you can see teams like that more willing to trade up into that spot. Yeah, I would say six is more. Uh, well, getting past six, so obviously trading up to like seven, that that's more desirable to trade up because you won't have to pay such a hefty price in a king's ransom as we've seen in years past so yeah if he gets if he slips past six definitely do think you'll see some teams calling i don't know who has the seventh pick off the top of my head but i think jaguars got it oh yeah oh yeah so the jaguars line will be blink will be uh will be booming so yeah the high line will be blinging okay so one of my questions are who does jacksonville take at seven do you think they should go offensive tackle 
I, I feel like they should help Nick Foles, but do you think they should go offensive tackle or like take one of the tight ends or take a wide receiver in DK? Uh, I'm hearing, I've been hearing them linked to uh, Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. I've been hearing them link, linked to him. So maybe, but they probably do need some weapons, but they definitely got to protect Nick Foles. They haven't really had like a really good offensive line in quite some time. So I think they would probably take uh, Jawan Taylor. Plus they had, you know, I mean, you know, it's easier for them to look at him since he was at Florida and obviously the Jaguars are in Jacksonville. So I think I think he's probably the pick. Yeah, um, I, th- I think they will go line. Another position that they might look at is linebacker because I was reading today that Telvin Smith, that whole Jalen uh, Ramsey, Telvin Smith situation, Jalen Ramsey is training, but they don't know why Telvin Smith isn't there. So... He might he, he he could be on his way out, so they could look at uh, one of those linebackers, Devin Bush, Devin White. If Devin White is still on the board, so that that could uh, also be a pick. I don't think they would go skill position that early. I think they'll probably try to do that later in the round. Okay, yeah, I think so too. Lastly, how far does Montez Sweat fall with his heart condition and Amershon Gary with his injury? Oh, uh, you want to take a stab at this one first, bro? Yeah, yeah, sure. uh, uh, either one of y'all. Yeah. All right, so I feel as though Montez Sweat, I feel as though he could fall to like 13 to the Dolphins, but if he doesn't go to the Dolphins at 13, probably, if we're saying nobody trades up for him, possibly 17 to the Giants. I would hate for that to happen as a Cowboys fan, but 17 to the Giants, and if he even falls back even more maybe the Raiders trade up and get him because they took Maurice Hurst last year and he had a heart problem and mm-hmm. Rashawn Gary I feel as though he could fall farther than Sweat but if I had to give him a definite position to fall I feel like 30 to the Packers would be like the latest okay alright B. Jones what about you yeah Sweat I think I think Sweat he'll, I think he'll still go like in the teens Regardless. I don't think he would get past the Redskins. Yeah, I think I think just be, just because the demand for edge rusher is so high, I think that he would go somewhere in the teens. As far as Rashawn Gary, he also he has some injury injury concerns and in, uh, when he was playing in school as well this past season. So I think he he could slip to like the late twenties, maybe even thirty, like you said. Hmm. All right. So uh, great great questions, Bank. Um. I want to do sleepers, and then I actually just came up with this topic, uh, most likely to be a bust. So I want to do that. So uh, sleepers, uh, I got a bunch. Uh, So I got a bunch. I got a few quarterbacks on my list. Um, I've been hearing a few things about them. Uh, One QB is uh, NC State quarterback Ryan Finley. I think he could be a potential sleeper, you know, if he goes to the right team. No, he could be a great developmental quarterback on a team like the Patriots or like the Chargers or so. Another quarterback uh, is Brett Rippon, uh, the nephew of former Redskins Super Bowl QB or MVP, uh, Mark Rippon. He had 50 starts at Boise State. He's the Mountain West all-time leader in pretty much all major passing categories. I think he would go like super late in the draft, but I still have him as a sleeper. And another quarterback I have is Easton Stick, 
uh, the North Dakota State QB, the guy that took over for Carson Wentz. I've heard him actually linked to the Eagles. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles, you know, got him. But uh, you guys can, uh, you know, name some of your sleepers at any random position. I kind of got a list sorted out. All right, so at outside linebacker slash defense and position, I have the guy who I feel like should go higher in the draft because he's the leader in all-time sacks, and that's Jalen Ferguson of Louisiana Tech. Mm, okay. He re- kind of reminds me of Terrell Suggs a little bit in, in a way. I don't know what it is, but he's just – I feel like he's special, and if he gets to the right team, possibly like the Patriots, even like a good – team where he could just get in a rotation. I feel like he's going to be a good guy for years to come. Mm. B. Jones, you got any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, um, I got a few. Um, so, I don't know if these are necessary sleepers because I've seen a few of them linked to the first round, but um, these are just guys I like and I, I think they could uh, they could be good fits. Um, so, the first one, I'm going to go with uh, Rock, Rocky Asin from oh, uh, yeah. Temple, yep. Temple Cornerback. He's a uh, Big, big body, uh, physical corner. I think I think uh, the team that he goes to would be important. Um, like if he goes to a team with um, like a good secondary already in place, where you could just plug him in. I don't I don't think that he would like come in and be like the savior if you have a bad secondary. Also, um, Lonnie, Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky, another uh, a big corner. Um, like if he went to like a team like Seattle or Cleveland or something like that, that, that would be a, a good fit. And then um, I got Debo Samuel. The I like Debo from, Samuel. I like him a lot. Yeah, he's uh, he not not the biggest guy, but he's kind of like a, a technician. And he got speed. yeah, he makes plays. He makes yeah. he makes plays. Kind of reminds me of like a Brandon a Brandon Cooks type mm. receiver. So yeah, I like him. I like the comparison. Yeah, that's a good comp. You guys got any more? I mean, Bink, you got any more? Uh, I wouldn't. Probably not a sleeper because he's his stock is actually rising as of late because of the injuries and Montez Sweat. Uh, my guy is Brian Burns, outside linebacker, Florida State. Honestly, he was really his draft stock was going down because of so many guys at the top of the draft. And now he's coming back up to like the place he should be, like in the mid teens. I feel this though. Okay, uh, I got a few more. Well, I got I got a lot of more. Let me stop. Uh, so I got some running backs. My since my list is in order, I got some running backs. Uh, this is a position that's not really like highly touted in this class. You know, like last year we were loaded with running backs, but I, I like a few in this class. I got a Florida Atlantic running back, Devin Singletary, who led the nation in rushing touchdowns back in 2017. You know, he's a three down back, but uh, his combine stats don't really do him no justice. But I like his film. Another running back is David Montgomery from Iowa State, who ran for 1100 yards twice. Uh, You know, was uh, one of the really good running backs in the Big 12. Another running back, Miles Gaskin from Washington, James Williams from Washington State. And my last running back on this list is Benny Snell, Kentucky's running back, who was the third SEC back to rush for over 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns in his first two years. The only other two SEC running backs that did that were Herschel Walker and Noshawn Moreno. So I think he's pretty good. He had a pretty good career uh, over at Kentucky. Yeah, I like like Benny Snell and... um... 
What's the dude from Florida? Uh, Devin oh, Singletary. Devin Singletary? Yeah. Kentucky producing a lot of good players this draft. I agree. Devin Singletary remind me like a Jordan Howard. Yeah, Howard yeah, I could see that. That's why I like him. I could see that. There was this. Um, it's not about any of the running backs you named, Mike, but about Rocky Ascent. I read that um, the t- Temple they give their um single digit numbers to the toughest players on the field. And they started like one and go to nine. And it's voted by the players. And Rocky Sin, I believe he was number, it was either number six or nine. I can't remember off the top of my head. So he was respected by his teammates as one of the toughest players on the field. Well, the moment he steps foot into the NFL, he's going to have the best name. That's just sure. a tough name. That's, yeah, sure. that's such a tough name. Rocky Sin. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he wore number six. Yeah. But uh, I got some. I got a few more on my list. Um, I got a. I got a one running back. I like Jalen Hurd. Uh, he used to, you know, uh, it's actually a converted uh, running back to wide receiver. They play running back over at Tennessee. I like him, and he's six five. Uh, you know, he could be like one of those like Swiss Army knife type of guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think he could be like a little better than Cordero Patterson. But uh, mm-hmm. I like Jalen Hurd. Uh, a tight end. This 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 class is uh is rich in tight ends. I know a lot of people have been talking about TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant and um, the Alabama tight end. I forget his name right Earth now. Smith. Yeah, a lot of people only really been talking about them. But I like Kahale Waring uh, from San Diego State. He's a pretty raw talent, but I think in like a few years he could be good. So make sure y'all remember that name, Kahale Warren. And another tight end is uh, Josh Oliver from uh, San Jose State. Uh, Jay Sternberger from uh, Texas A&M, who's a really good route runner, has good playmaking ability. I think uh, those guys could potentially make some noise. Yeah, I got I got one more to throw in. Uh, Damian Williams from Alabama. Oh yeah. yeah. I think he's like a, he's like a he's like a real balanced balanced kind of guy. He can catch passes. He can run like a good change of pace back. I saw uh, somebody saying earlier, like the Cowboys might pick him up. They picked him up. That would be scary. Back up. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Man. I like that idea. Uh, you got any more, Bink? Uh, no. All right, I got got some. Uh, I got some. Uh, some trenches guys on my list. Uh, I got Yanni Kajuice, the offensive tackle from West Virginia. I like him. I'm just going to start throwing out some names pretty much. I don't really want to do analysis on linemen. That's not really my thing. But uh, Michael Dider, offensive tackle from Wisconsin. Ryan Pope, offensive tackle from San Diego State. Uh, Chuma Idoga from uh, USC. I like him. And then uh, Bo Benchwa from Wisconsin. A guard. I like him. And Tyrone Prescott uh, from NC State, uh, he's a good guard too. But I definitely think those are some uh, sleeper offensive linemen. And then on the defensive side of the ball at DN, uh, Justin Hollins from Oregon, uh, Zach Allen from Boston College, Cortez Broughton from Cincinnati, uh, Greg Gaines from Washington. And at the linebacker spot, I like Ben Nur Curvin. Uh, he led the nation in tackles. And he didn't get a combine invite, but at his pro day, he has similar numbers to Devin Bush and Devin White. But uh, the big knock on him is he's a little undersized. But I do like, you know, his tape. And obviously, he led the nation in tackles. I think he ran like a 4-5 at the combine, which is pretty good for a middle linebacker. But 
that he was knocking on him as his size. And then another Washington guy I got on my list is free safety Taylor Rapp, another guy who didn't run that good of a 40. But I saw him. I saw him. He could be linked to the Cowboys, too. I love Taylor Rapp. <laughs> I love him. I love his game. Yeah, he's, he's pretty solid. So uh, no more sleepers for you guys. You guys want to do uh, biggest bust or, or guys who could be bust? Yeah, I'm ready for that. All right, let's go. Since you're ready, B. Jones, who do you think or player or players that could be potential busts? All right, so I just – I think I only got about three. Um, first one, Rashawn Gary, just um, the injury injury concerns. Um, and then he, he wasn't – like, he, he didn't always stand out in college. Like, I watched a few Michigan games, and it's not too many games I saw when he looked like – crazy dominant like kind of uh one of those guys that he's good sometimes and then like he's in the background and the other times not always present so i got him um i got dk metcalf just because he was a um, combine warrior um he, he i don't think he, he he never had over either 700 or 800 yards in the season i know he was on his way last year but he got hurt and then um, he, he just got all this hype because of his combine numbers, but not really, at this point, hasn't really shown the ability to run every route on the route tree, just like goes and slants. And you see how guys like that work out in the nice league. Nice days. Yeah. Brian. Nah, I, I Corey Goldman coming in the league only ran four routes. I thought she was going to say Darius Hayward Bay. That's what I was thinking about. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> he could be yeah. that. I yeah. think Dez Bryant is probably well. I mean, people have been comparing him to Calvin Johnson, but I feel like Dez Bryant is his uh is his ceiling. Yeah. But like a guy like Darius Hayward Bay could be his floor. But Dez was never. I mean, Dez was never like a speed a speed guy. Yeah. He was just like a, right. a, a right. jump yeah. a jump ball threat. The, the the um I don't even know if this guy's a jump ball threat. He's 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 big, but his hype is because of his speed. I don't know about like. Him. I think that's why he's getting all of his hype though, because he's so he's six five and what do you run a four three five? Six five mm-hmm. or six three? Or oh, six, six three. Yeah, six, six, three. Six, yeah. Six, yeah. And then uh, my last one is uh, Daniel Jones, just because. You took all three of my players. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think that he's like a guy that's gonna come in and change their franchise, like for teams like the uh, that have been linked to them, like the Redskins and um, the Giants. Like I don't. If you come in, even if you sit him behind Case Keenum or Eli Manning, I don't think he's going to come in and just shock the world. Also, he's kind of like bigger, 6'5". Like, we've seen a few quarterbacks in the past that the bigger quarterbacks haven't panned out. Paxton Lynch, uh, Brock Osweiler, few names like that. So, I think an ideal scenario for him would be going to sit behind, like, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or something like that. But, um, yeah, that's my three three guys. Well, yeah, you actually took all mine too. So I mean, B, <laughs> we can uh pretty much add to what B Jones said if you want. Well, yeah, with Rashawn Gary, I didn't really see the production in college, and that that kind of scares me. Although Taco Charlton all over again. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about him. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones, like you said, the big quarterbacks don't normally pan out, but he he some scouts have given him a third round grade. But he's a first-round quarterback, and I just like unless he goes to a team like, like you said, the Packers, Patriots, or possibly even the Chargers. I feel like they're a dark horse team to take a quarterback. I feel like those those fits probably will be better instead of going to a team and starting right away. 
with Daniel Jones. And who was the DK Metcalf? Yeah, he's just gotten a lot of hype. And as if he can live up to the hype, like possibly teams he could go to. Like, I think he really needs like a good quarterback to fill up this hype he's been getting. Yeah, so uh, I saw some somebody saying like the Ravens should get him. I don't think that's a good fit at all. Like, nah, that's not that's not even like a pass happy offense. So I don't, yeah, that's not. They're gonna match forty times a game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, I don't really want to repeat what you guys said, but yeah, those are all three of my guys. Uh, I did this last week, but one player that you guys really really like. So Bing, I'm gonna start with you. One player, okay, so I'm going to take a different player from last week. So I picked Greedy last week, so I'm going to take Devin Bush. Devin Bush, I like I like what he could do. I feel like Devin White, I feel like he's just been getting more hype than him. I'm not saying he's he's not up to that caliber, but, like, I feel like he should still be in consideration for, like, he's going to, I feel like he should be in the top half of the draft. Possibly even, like, like a team like the Bengals at 11. I feel like they could take him. Even the Broncos at 10. I feel like he should be like a top 12 pick. And I really love how fast he is and his, and how fast he is on the football field. We talked about this last week, and I can't stop talking about it. But I am enamored with greedy Andreas Williams. I am. <laughs> I am. I think this guy has, you know, what it takes. He has like that shutdown corner mentality. The only knock on him is like he picks and chooses when he wants to tackle. But as far as like a pure cover corner that you know you could you know eventually put on the island to you know lock up your best guy, Greedy Williams is that dude. I, I really 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 like Greedy Williams. I know you know people are like you know he could be you know a bust like a uh, uh, Mo Claiborne since he's an LSU corner, but Greedy Williams, hey, I'm telling y'all. Hey, sorry man, <laughs> Greedy Williams is is that dude. This is the last thing, and then I'm going to let y'all go. I want to talk about Frank Clark uh, getting traded to the Chiefs yesterday. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I thought it was a really good move for the Chiefs and the Seahawks. I thought it was a good move for both sides because at 29, were the Chiefs really going to find a player as good as Frank Clark? Probably not. So I think it was a good move, and they also gave him the contract. And the Seahawks also accumulated another pick, their second first-round pick. And they only have five picks in this draft, so they're probably going to use one of those first and trade back. So I think it was a good move because the Seahawks weren't going to pay him. And for the Chiefs, you know, they're loading up while Patrick LeVon, Mahomes the second, is still on that rookie deal. So the only thing I have to input is that, yeah, like you said, the Seahawks are probably going to trade back. But for the Chiefs case, what was the reasoning for trading D4 and then just getting another pass rusher right back? Well, he's younger. He's also three years younger. But then, what was the contract they gave him? I didn't see that. Uh, it was something crazy. It was like five years, one hundred and five. He got like I yeah, know. he got like sixty three guaranteed. But I don't. I know uh, D 4s deal like with the Forty ers Like was it, it was like it was like five years, ninety ninety eight million or something like that. And it was like all the money. It's paid out like in the first three years. So I don't know. Oh, if they, that's probably why. <laughs> I don't know if they did the same thing with Frank Frank Clark, but I would assume they would because Patrick Mahomes was gonna get paid like within the next two years. Mm. And they yeah. got pay Tyreek Hill too. So Yes, yeah, you're right. Didn't all of the Tyreek Hill's charges get dropped today? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got they got dropped. So shout out to my man Cheetah. 
Yeah, I like uh, I like the move though for for both sides because um, I see people I saw people uh, killing the Chiefs for saying uh, why did why'd you let D four walk? But um, based on the numbers I saw, D four his breakout season was last year, and for the past three years, uh, Frank Clark's numbers have been comparable to uh, Khalil Mack. Like same number of sacks, same number of QB hits. So I'm not saying he's as good as Khalil Mack, but he's more disruptive on a consistent basis than um, mm. D Ford. And also for the Seahawks, they don't have to uh, pay that money out because their pockets would be hurting. They just pay Russell Wilson, and then this is a deep, uh, deep defensive line draft, so they can pick somebody else back up in the first round and get a, uh, another edge rusher on a rookie contract. So I like that move. Absolutely. Well, guys, I really want to thank both of you for coming on. Uh, this is my first time I had a guest, well, two guests on the draft special, let alone one. Uh, last two uh, specials I did by myself. But I really want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for having me for back-to-back weeks. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say I enjoyed it. It was good talking with y'all. Most deaf, most deaf. All right, fellas, I'm going to have to let y'all go, man, but take care. All right, Mike. All right, peace. So I had a great time talking uh, NFL draft with B. Jones and uh, Bank. I want to thank them for coming on again. But I want to transition into the NBA, but I will not be making this transition alone. So to help me make this transition, hey, this is monumental. This is monumental, low key. But uh, for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a female co-host come on the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Miss Tykira Carter. She's going to come on the show, and we're going to talk some NBA playoff action. Tykira, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So we gotta, um, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta start with last night. We gotta start with last night. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we saw we saw Damian Lillard called the series. Uh, what was your reaction seeing that? Well, did you stay up and see it? You you stayed up and saw the whole thing? Yes, I had to. He was going off too crazy. I, I literally screamed. I was like, oh my gosh, the disrespect, the step back <laughs> in your face, Paul George, almost at the half court line, three for game. I was, was, crazy. Crazy. I was, I was like in awe. Yeah, it was crazy. I had dozed off. And then uh, my dad came in my room. He's like, Mike, Mike. Like Damian Lillard just hit a game with him. Like, yo, what's going on? So I had to rewind it, and I seen it for myself. And I'm like, oh man. But honestly, that was that was one of the best games I have seen from like start to finish in a long time, especially for a playoff game. Uh, you know, it was really good back and forth from start to finish. It was a really good game. Most definitely, and it was you know the fourth quarter. Portland gets down. I think their biggest deficit was 13. And I just, at that point, I was like, they've been doing so well and they've been meshing and they've been, it's been such a back and forth game. I didn't know where the game was going to go at all. So that's why, you know, the game winner just caught me off guard. Cause I'm like, he going to call it three. <laughs> you know what I mean, he did a two. And what was smart about the shot, obviously it went in, but it was the fact that, Okay, see, so couldn't get the ball back at that point. So he didn't even give them the chance to try to go to overtime, draw something up, you know. Right. So I thought that was very important 
as well in taking that big time shot, you know, the the confidence, the IQ, and the fact that hey, the series is over. Yeah, series is over. Uh so this leads to, you know, some more questions. Uh Russell Westbrook with this third straight ah, exit in the first round. Uh, this this leads me to, you know, a few sub questions and, and one in particular about Paul George. Do you think that Paul George is regretting staying in Oklahoma City? I don't, you know, I think as a NBA player, and this is like my personal thoughts, there just shouldn't be regret. You mm-hmm. had that clear decision. People, you know, it was it was a big thing. Like he, sh- people spoke about how he should not have stayed. You know, moved on to a different team or whatever. And it was clear as day. But he was the one who thought that they could have made it further. So therefore, that was your decision and Paul George. So I don't think at this point he shouldn't be regretting it. Is he? I have no idea, you know, but should he be? No, you, you had the decision to leave or stay. And he, he thought that they could have made it further. So therefore, and I wouldn't say, you know, the game wasn't on him by any means. It's just yeah, that, some free throws down the stretch. Yeah. You know, that's, that's give or take though. That's just the mm-hmm. nature of it. But with that, you know, his shoulder wasn't in the best shape, obviously. Commentators was talking about it the whole series. So, at the end of the day, I thought he played some pretty good basketball. And that was, a you know, a good OKC game overall. He shouldn't be feeling any type of regret. I think, you know, he should think about some moves now. But mm-hmm. other it is what it is. Okay, so real quick. I think, me personally, I think he should have took the OKC's last shot on their last possession. We saw Russell Westbrook attack the basket and look for a foul call. But I thought Paul George should have took that last shot. He was shooting 70% at that moment, 14 for 20. And I thought he should have just took the last shot. But obviously, Russell Westbrook had other plans, as sporadic and erratic as he can be. Um, Yeah, that didn't happen. But I think Paul George should regret his decision a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people troll him on Twitter. It's, it's quite funny, and I'm, I'm getting a good laugh at it. Some, so I saw a tweet earlier that said, Russell Westbrook, all he did was throw a party for Paul George to stay. And he literally threw him a party, had Nas come perform, mm-hmm. and he made his decision to stay. I thought he should have at least took meetings. And it's just, I don't know, the irony of it is, I, I don't know if you saw the little sit down he had with Dwayne Wade, but he was saying that his you know, goal was to win a championship. At the end of the day, that's, that's, that's all I want to do. I want to be a champion. Me personally, I don't think that you can win a championship with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my personal opinion. And then when you look at the rest of the team, what they lacked and what we clearly saw is they lacked shooting. Paul George can shoot, but outside of that, like, we can pick and choose. Who, who's their best shooter on the team after Paul George? Do we even know? Who? Shooter? <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Maybe. It's, it's like maybe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's that's another thing they lacked. Um, I said at the beginning of the season on my uh, NBA season preview, coaches that were on the hot seat were mm-hmm. actually the two head coaches from the series, Billy Donovan and Terry Stott. So I don't know if – OKC is going to part ways with Billy Donovan. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I, me personally, I think Russell Westbrook is sort of like stuck in his own ways and he hasn't changed his game. And his game sort of doesn't really fit with today's NBA because he 
he's not the best shooter, mm-hmm. and he can't really shoot. I mean, he shot four from a four for eleven, and eleven for thirty one. You know, for the game. So I just don't know. But I do think Paul George is regretting his decision. I think he should at least took a meeting with the Lakers. Not saying he should have came, but at least took a meeting. Mm-hmm. Now you, I, I, I may be picky, but you would have to throw me more than just a party with Nas to get me to say, okay, I'm not even gonna meet with anybody. Well, yeah, that's like <laughs> that. That's like kiddish. You know, when it's business, you do business things, and a party is not business if you ask me when it comes to your money your well-being what you say you want to do and what you're actually going to do you say you want to win a championship but you're not going to pursue a championship team and no the Lakers weren't in that running but you add a strong piece like Paul George and you say well hey maybe we got something going here um but as far as Westbrook goes me and my dad were actually just talking about this how you know he does all this stuff in the regular season and it comes to playoffs and it's like where are you playoff Mm -hmm. basketball is just a different type of grit a different type of grind and you know teams what at this time you're playing each other for what the three four five six seven time at this point you know it goes to a seven game series they they have your mo and if they don't have yours they have your teammates so you you shut down a factor like Westbrook, which Damian Lillard did. He was, you know, scrapping and getting a bucket in his own, you know, regards too. When you can play defense, get in somebody's head and play your game like Damian Lillard did, it's like what what can you say? You can't Right. It's really nothing to say. Um Westbrook is is a harder player to play with and sure he's this triple double machine and a lot of people like to say he you know made the triple double not significant anymore because he averaged it but when you don't translate that to playoffs it's almost like does that really matter is no that, it doesn't is that, yeah is that making you one step closer to winning a playoff if you can't even make it past the first round it doesn't I think there's some things that you know like you said he, you don't believe he's a great shooter that he needs to add to his game that's going to help him besides sure he's padding his stats on these triple doubles and that's not an easy thing to do at all but in the same breath like we said is that getting you closer to your ultimate goal of winning a championship totally totally you hit the nail on the head all great points another thing before we move on from this series I want to talk about uh how Russell Westbrook made this series about himself, uh, similar to what he did last year. So last year, we know after Ricky Rubio, I think, had a triple double, he said, oh, I'm going to shut him down. And he made the series about Russell Westbrook versus Ricky Rubio and not the Thunder versus the Jazz. Well, he did it the same, the same this year, except it was with Damian Lillard. So it's now Russell Westbrook versus Damian Lillard instead of OKC versus Portland. And that's another thing. And that's another issue I have. And then one more thing is, isn't it crazy how they made Carmelo Anthony the scapegoat last year, but the same result happens this year? Yeah. You know, we touched on that when we spoke earlier this week. And it's just like, first of all, why is his name even being brought up? He's not here. You know, you guys were the ones who decided to do him dirty. So therefore, his name shouldn't be in the conversation. He had he doesn't contribute to the losses of this team. You know, so I just thought, like you said, why is he the scapegoat? Yes, uh, 
it's crazy, man. I, I would like to see Melo play, but again, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think that's highly unlikely. But moving right along, I want to start with the uh, best team out west. I want to start with the 1 8 matchup, and that's Golden State and the Clippers. I got to give a lot of credit to Doc Rivers. I've actually done that a few times recently on the pod, but I got to give credit to Doc Rivers and how he's had that, you know, that crew plan. A lot of people thought after they traded Tobias Harris that they were going to mail it in and start tanking, but the team never tanked. You know, guys like Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, obviously, Danilo Gallinari, who I didn't even know averaged 19 this year, um, Montrez Harrell, um, a lot of guys, a number of guys. Uh, you know, just real big contributors. And, uh, you know, the Clippers have been playing really well, but obviously they don't have enough to beat Golden State. Uh, you know, it's just it's just obvious. You know, this series, uh, game five is tonight. The series is going to end in Oakland. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, to start off, this has been an entertaining series to say. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's like the Clippers have that amazing 31-point uh, comeback to win. At least, you know, a playoff game. I believe the series will end tonight. I don't think the Clippers have enough firepower because they don't have a superstar on their team like Golden State. And I think that's important when it comes to playoffs. Like we said, we saw it in the last series. You got a superstar in Damian Lillard. But who can you say is the Clippers superstar? What, Patrick Beverly? Lou Williams. Lou Will, you know. I, I mean, I think that's, that's a funny headline, so to speak. But it, they don't have a KD. They don't have a Steph Curry. They play really hard, and that's what keeps them in the games. And I think that's important, you know, how hard that they play. You don't see teams fight every night like that, and they have a fighter and Patrick uh, – I'm sorry, Pat Bev on the floor. So I think that's very important about the way that they play. But I was just watching, um, when did they play? Sunday, Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Golden State, like, running their offense so beautifully. It was towards the end of, like, the fourth quarter or midway through fourth. And I'm like, the way that they are running the Clippers off these screens and, oh, you got to chase Steph Curry off the screen because if not, you got the big man inside, so you got to pick one or the other. And that's hard to guard, you know. I don't think Golden State is playing their best basketball in this first mm-hmm. round. And I think they probably, you know, slept on the Clippers a little bit, thinking they wasn't I think so. this hard. But when you have a sharpshooter and Clay Thompson on your team, you got Stephen Curry, you have KD, it, it's just hard to stop that period, although they're not playing this, you know, ultra superb basketball totally agree with you i have a question uh i've been talking about this uh, for quite some time and it's it's sort of an unpopular opinion Mm -hmm. a shout out shout out to my man jalen uh jalen hunter a host of the unpopular podcast but i have a very very unpopular opinion as it pertains to steph curry and i think that steph curry is slightly overrated i'm not saying He's the most overrated player ever. Granted, my last name is Curry, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's like a bad player. But I think he's, I think he's a little, a little, a little overrated. So, what's your take on that? After you know, I get your take. I'm gonna explain why. I'm a Steph Curry fan personally. 
Um, I don't know if it's because I love him and Aisha's relationship or basketball wise, but I think that, you know, he is a pure shooter. Sure, he's taking 20 shots a game from deep, give or take, but he's cashing in more than half of those. And I don't think he goes out of his element. You know what he can do. And I think he sticks to that. He doesn't try to do too much in his game. There's not too many times I watch Stephen Curry and I'm like, oh, that's a force. That's not a good shot. When I see the ball leave his hands, I'm almost always thinking it's good because what he has proven. I agree. I I can agree with that. Yeah. And then when they take the shot away, it was like a time in the game against the Clippers took a shot away. He puts the ball on the floor, makes the right decision going to the basket. He's smooth around the basket as well. So I am. Are you talking about that sweet layup? Yeah, he, like, split the two defenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was pretty sweet. I was like, dang, that was nice. And he used some speed on that. He's not the quickest player either as far as when he puts the ball on the ground. But when he gets his shot off, you know, he has a quick release, obviously. But like I said, nine times out of ten, if I were to have a shooting contest, I would want him on my team. Because when he shoots the ball, it looks good. He has a high arc on his shot. I personally think it's going in when it leaves his hand. And he's the type of player that I, I'm not even going to try and bank on leaving him open. Like, he can be at almost half court. I think I'm getting up on him. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk real quick how I think he's – I'm not saying he's, like, the most overrated player in the league or ever, but I I, I, I think he's slightly – this is my opinion. You don't got to like it, but I just, I, just, I just want everybody to hear me out. So – is it is it me or is it that when Steph Curry doesn't have a good game that he gets a pass? I, th- I think he gets a pass a lot of the times when he doesn't have a good game. Unlike guys like LeBron James, Kevin well, Durant, got, Russell he's Westbrook. He's a good guy in the media though, you know. I, he, but he does he doesn't get a pass. He gets he does he gets a pass every time. Nobody says anything about him. Nobody even talks about it. I bet if the Warriors would have lost the other day, nobody would even talk about how he was three for fourteen. But that's 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 neither here or there, but I think he's slightly overrated. And then I, I always point to uh, the 2016 Finals, and uh, he got flat out outplayed by Kyrie Irving. Not that that's you know, it's bad. I mean Kyrie's great, but mm-hmm. Steph Curry wet the bed. You know Warriors up three one in the series. He shoots 38 percent one game, 31 percent in game seven. I think 40 percent another game, and I'm just like. I think he's slightly overrated, but but don't get me wrong. I think Steph is, you know, you know, a tremendous shooter. Obviously, the best shooter we've ever seen. But a lot of people were mad because I said he's slightly overrated. But I, I I just had a point to the 2016 finals, and I point that KD had to save them in 17 and 18. But and that's just my opinion. Well, yeah, and that's part of the reason why KD went to Golden State so he could, you know, have somebody else he can piggyback off of so if Katie's having a bad game well you don't usually see all three of them not playing well at the same time which is clay steph and Katie. and if you and if they do well that's a l <laughs> okay for sure for sure all right so next series uh two seven matchup is the nuggets and the spurs uh interesting series i i had the spurs winning this one but uh the nuggets are up three two I haven't watched too much of this series personally, but a uh, shout out to the Nuggets, a team that I, I didn't think could get it done simply because 
their three best players have never played a single minute of playoff basketball until this series. And the other guys that, you know, that are, they have played playoff minutes are Paul Millsap and Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah Thomas isn't even in the rotation. But you look at it, and I guess the most talented team is winning because obviously they, they're, they're very talented, but they're just young and inexperienced. But Jokic has been balling. Uh, Jamal Murray has definitely been balling. Mm-hmm. And the Nuggets are up 3-2. So, you know, what's, what's your opinion on this series? Um, This is, you know, the one series that's entertaining in the sense that we don't know which way it's going to go. And the only one that was, you know, tied up 2-2 going to another a game five. So mm-hmm. I think it's um, going to be pretty interesting i don't know who i have winning at this point i i really don't have a prediction uh yesterday the nuggets got after the spurs like bad the um in score i think the score was 108 to 90 that doesn't indicate how well that the nuggets really did play so this is one of those series i, I don't know which way it's gonna go we talked about how when the Spurs are in the playoffs and you have coach Popovich on your side Mm -hmm. that that's tough to go up against so we're talking about on the strength of the coach and the players I like LaMarcus um, Aldridge and I like the Spurs team overall but I have no idea who's gonna win really yeah neither do I um I guess I would give the upper hand to the Nuggets game six will be in San Antonio, so yeah, uh, Spurs, Spurs do get a home court advantage, but uh, no offense, nobody's gonna watch that game tomorrow. The NFL draft is tomorrow, so <laughs> unless you're a Spurs and Nuggets fan, uh, I, I don't know who really gonna be watching. I, I won't be paying that much attention to it, but uh, I'm gonna I, see what's going on. <laughs> I've been checking it out, but I, I have not been paying attention to that. But my favorite series is gonna be coming up, okay? Okay, so uh. We got uh, the 4-5 matchup before we move on to the East. We got the Rockets and the uh, Utah Jazz. Um, Let's see. Uh, I, I think the Rockets are going to close it out tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, But I got to give credit to the Jazz for not quitting. And, uh, you yeah. know, winning game, winning game, uh, what was game four? Uh, for not quitting, uh, Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people were mad about that. <laughs> what, mad that this series isn't over? Yeah, they're like, okay, Rockets, like, are you serious? Did you see that on Twitter? Yeah, I did see a little, a little bit of people talking about it and complaining. I, I kind of wanted that series to end because I don't see the Jazz coming back. So they yeah. kind of just prolonged the series and, uh, you know, took an extra flight. But <laughs> the series is pretty much over. Yeah, it was like, it was like yesterday they put up a picture of like, um, What's his name? Um, I cannot think right now. Whatever. Bleacher Report put up a picture of Donovan Mitchell. Sorry, I couldn't think about it. And it was like, he was in like this Spider-Man outfit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, so- yeah, you saw that? They was like, oh, they've been wait. They made this like a week ago and they've been waiting to put Yeah, they've been waiting. I saw that. They've just been trolling the jazz. So I'm like, just for the sake of it, I hope Houston just finishes it out. Yeah, I think they will. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're playing right now. Rockets jumped out early on them, eight to nothing. So let's move over to the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
We got the 1-8 matchup, which ended in a sweep. It was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Detroit Pistons. I want to, before we talk about this series, I want to talk about Blake Griffin and uh, how, you know, he had some guts and, you know, showed a lot of toughness. Yeah, he wasn't even supposed to be playing. Yeah, he really was out there. It seemed to be on one leg. I know you've seen the brace Mm -hmm. all taped up. Uh, But shout out to Blake Griffin for playing. Um you know, I guess, you know, shout out to him for playing. But uh, the, the Pistons just didn't really stand a chance. No. They just didn't stand a chance at all. Milwaukee's just too much. They're really talented, really deep, uh, well coached as well. But uh, Pistons surprised me this year. But, you know, you know they got to bounce. I didn't I didn't I, I thought that maybe the Pistons could get a game. But obviously once, you know, Blake Griffin didn't come back to game three. I feel like their confidence was kind of shot. But uh yeah. I would be a little encouraged if I were the Pistons, but you know, they my thing is they they lack perimeter scoring. They don't really have that. They have Blake, they have Andre Drummond, but outside of Reggie Jackson, they just got a bunch of random players. Luke Kennard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, Wayne Ellington, a bunch of random players. Yeah, like I would have honestly been surprised if the Bucks did not sweep the Pistons. I would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, no, <laughs> Pistons did good or whatever. But I, I would have been certainly surprised. Um, but from a historical standpoint, the Bucks haven't made it past the first round of playoffs in 18 years. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. So if there was anybody going against the Bucks, then maybe that would be the reason um, why they could have, you know, some type of cold feet about them. Mm, yeah, for sure. So next matchup uh, is the 2-7 matchup, which was the Toronto Raptors and Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Magic series. Um, I said this last week. I said the Magic, they, they were just happy to be there. They were just happy <laughs> to be there. They, they, they knew they weren't going to win. Uh-huh. Uh, they did win in game one, but the Magic, they were just happy to be there. I personally write the Magic off every year simply because they don't have – you know, a lot of talent. They have a yeah. bunch of young players and then, you know, journeyman guys like DJ Augustine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just journeyman guys and then, you know, probably guys trying to make a name for themselves and get on another team. Like, but I don't know. Uh, I didn't think that, you know, I didn't even think they would win a game. So I guess, you know, shout out to the Magic for winning game one, but they just didn't stand a chance after that. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with the Raptors, honestly, because. You know, it could have been same old, same old Raptors. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan is gone. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Casey's gone. Kawhi Leonard is in. Nick Nurse is now the head coach. So I, I didn't know. After game one, I was like, man, it's the same Raptors. I was really thinking that. But shout out to my man Kawhi Leonard, who's been balling out. And Pascal Siakam, a lot of people think he's going to be the most improved player. He's, he's been crazy. playing really good. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. I'm, I'm a believer in him now. I'm a believer. I, I had to see it for myself. So what do you think about this series? Well, personally, I've liked the Raptors all season because we've seen on multiple accounts Kawhi Leonard didn't play and they were still winning. And yeah. I think, you know, that speaks volumes. But in this series, Kawhi, he had 30 in all of the playoff games. And I think that's very important. And People can say, well, it was against the Magic, like that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. If you're being consistent at the right time, that's when it is um, most important. So I think that has been pivotal to the Raptors' success. But 
Kawhi is not necessarily the deciding factor. If he doesn't score 30, I think they're still good. So that's what I like about this Raptors team. They're solid all around, you know what I'm saying? So I think when it comes to playoffs, you can't just have one factor. It's got to be like that team effort. And like we said, Siakam, he's, he's nice. I think, well... I guess, spoiler alert, we know the Sixers uh, versus Nets is over or whatever, but I think he'll match. <laughs> um, what is he, a four? I don't know if he'll he'll guard either um, Simmons or... No, I don't think he'll guard and be probably Marcus All will. But still, I think he'll match up well against the Sixers, period. Definitely agree with you. Uh, so, um, next series... What you just you just spoke up. Uh the three six the three six matchup out east was the Sixers and the Nets. Mm-hmm. I think the Nets is another team. They were just happy to be there. They it were just was, happy to be there. They overachieved. Yeah. They definitely overachieved. I gotta give credit to uh head coach Kenny Atkinson and you know getting those guys to play. D'Angelo Russell had a really good year this year. Shout out to him. Uh, you know, he's up there between him and Siakam for uh most improved player. Uh, but they've been playing hard. They just they just didn't have enough. They just don't have enough talent. Mm-hmm. They really don't, and they they don't have a lot of front court depth either. But uh, from the net standpoint, they just don't have enough enough talent. Uh, I'm glad the Sixers were finally able to kind of get their act together because I was a little worried after they lost game. What was that that was game one, right? Yeah, well, yeah, the- I, I was a little worried. Mm-hmm. I think this, uh, the Sixers should thank the Nets for that fight because had they not fought, the Sixers might have lost that game. Or scuffle, I should say. It wasn't really a fight. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that little yeah. scuffle. They were, they were losing at that point in that third quarter. Like, they were down by, like, 10 or 13. And then after, they was, like, all hype, like, let's go and all this other stuff and came back and won that game that I want to say that would have tied the series or put the Nets down one game, one or the other. But, yeah. I, I think the Nets almost gave them that win. It like, it like lit a spark up under them when they started, um, you know, fake brawling. I'm gonna call it because it wasn't like <laughs> all out fight. <laughs> yeah, it was just a bunch of pushing and shoving. That's all it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of had expected a little better series from the Nets, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm concerned about the Sixers going forward, and we're gonna talk about that in a few. But I want to move on to the 4-5 matchup. We're not going to talk about this long. It was a sweep. The Celtics swept the Indiana Pacers. But I will say this. I was a little concerned about how the Celtics played in this series. Because the Pacers were in every game until the fourth quarter. I think they definitely could have used Victor Oladipo in this series. Yeah, uh, yeah. you got to shout out to them. They yeah. played without their star and, you know, kept up with arguably, to me, one of the best teams in the East, if not you know, second best to me. I, I think Bucks is top of the series, but we'll get on to that later, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, shout out to the Pacers. Nate McMillan did a hell of a job coaching. Uh, yeah, I, I like what I saw from them. Though. I definitely think, you know, if they had Victor – series could have potentially went six or seven in the playoffs you need a star player who can take and make those big shots uh they were giving it to guys like bogdanovich down the stretch no offense to him but you know he's just not that bucket getter he's not an all-star caliber player Mm -hmm. and uh, we can i guess we can talk uh you know preview for next round and so there are a few matchups that are already set 
And the Bucks and the Celtics is set. So who do you like? Um, I, I, I kind of already said it. I like the Bucks, but I like them because of the history that these two teams have from last season when they faced off in the first round of playoffs. That was a really good series. I had went to game one where um, first Chris Middleton hit that crazy shot to send yes. it overtime. Yeah, in game one. And then um, in overtime, I, I, would, I think it went to two overtimes, but I might be making that up. Um, whatever. I want to say it. I want to say it did. I, I, I want to say it did. Yeah, whatever the case may be. Um, Terry Rozier, he didn't hit the shot like a, a pull up jumper or whatever to give the Celtics the win in that game one. And from there, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a really good series. So I'm hoping it's like that again. But this time around, it's different because you add Kyrie back into this equation. So last year when they played and went to seven games, Kyrie wasn't even a factor. He wasn't, you know, playing. He was out injured. And the Celtics played this superb series with, um, you know, Terry Rozier, basically the same guys minus Kyrie and Rozier was, you know, starting and running the show. So I thought that was cool. But I think this time around, the Bucks may have some animosity just because of how last year went. So I think it's going to be just very fun to watch. If it's anything like I hope it's going to be. And, you know, it's round two instead of one. And I think it's going to take a lot more firepower the bucks just swept the pistons so you know i think they're feeling good they're well mm-hmm. rested the celtics you know they swept the pacers but like you said they didn't have the easiest time doing so yep uh i i don't know how to feel about this series um i really don't know it's gonna be interesting because obviously like you just mentioned they went to seven games last year in the first round, but there was no Kyrie. There was no Gordon Hayward, obviously. So uh, it's going to be tough. It's, why, why can't why does got to be in the second round? Like, this is stressful. This is stressing me out. But uh, I don't know. I like the Bucks, but I don't. I mean, they're going to get Malcolm Brogdon back, who's a really key guy for that team. Uh, Tony Snell, another key guy for that team, too. Uh, it's crazy to think that one of these teams is going to lose four times. I just I just don't know. I, I kind of like the Celtics, but I think home court is going to definitely be a, a real thing in this series because last year we saw um, as the first-round series that you just talked about, neither team was able to win on the road. So now the Bucks have home court advantage this year, which they didn't have last year. So I think home court is going to be really, really important. Mm-hmm. But as a Lakers fan, it pains me to say this, but I like the Celtics. But I hope I'm wrong, though, because uh, <laughs> the Bucks have been having a magical year. The only team that won 60 games this season. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see the Bucks get it done. But I, I think the Celtics, I, I think, uh, you know, some of their guys, some of their guys are, you know, peaking at the right time. Gordon Hayward had a big game off the bench in mm-hmm. game four. Jason Tatum, he's obviously playing better than he was in a re- regular season. I think it was, a you know, a tough spot for him because – you know, Kyrie and Hayward are coming back. So he's in a, you yeah, know, it's like too many. It's, sure. it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's like too many chefs in the kitchen. But go ahead. Yeah. You go from that rookie season where you are, you're feeling good. You know, you're the man and all this other stuff. And then you got to come into yourself and actually 
play a role with Kyrie, you know what I mean? He's a alpha point guard demanding. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, you know, he had to kind of settle in and get used to that. Um, you you could see at times in the season where Jason Tatum may have felt frustrated because he had to learn how to play with a not, another dominant player like Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I really like Jason Tatum. I, I'm a real big fan of his. But uh, if I would have to pick, I, I would say Celtics. But I'm just rooting for a good series at this point. My, not like my team is in it. So uh, next, moving on, next series. Uh, we got the Sixers and the Raptors. I like I like the Raptors in this series. I agree. Um, I think uh, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, they're going to do a masterful job on Ben Simmons. Uh, in the regular season, when these two teams met a few times, uh, Ben Simmons had a total of 24 turnovers. In one game, he had double-digit turnovers. So mm-hmm. I think they're kind of in his head. And I just... I just don't think he'll be able to have that impact that he had against the Nets. He dropped like 31 game on the Nets. That's not happening in this series. And Joel Embiid, is he even truly healthy? It's a lot of question marks that I got with the Sixers. I just don't know. But I like the Raptors in the series. I think the Sixers have been, a, you know, that up and down team this season. Mm-hmm. You have that um, great player, but a hothead in Jimmy Butler. Um if he can, I think, have a halfway deep, decent series, they might be okay. But I, I, I would say, I, I would probably say Raptors in five. Raptors in five? Oh, five. Damn. I, six, I think six, six is no there. chance. No, uh, I think I think in the five, too, realistically, uh, I, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be a factor in this series. And, uh, you know, it's been tough. For uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, I don't think they've been. I don't know. It's kind of been tough. I, I feel like they haven't. They haven't figured it out with their four best players, and they have a lot of talent, but they just haven't figured out exactly how to play with each other. Yeah. Well, I think what's important is that the Raptors can match up with them. Like as we yeah. out, I think they won't shut down Embiid, but there are ways to like limit his presence. He's gonna get his. You know, in a sense, but I think you they have like a, a veteran and Marcus all on the inside. He's not really too much of a scoring factor for the Raptors, so therefore he can focus on that defensive game plan. Not saying that he's gonna scrap and beat or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you know he knows he knows the physicality of the game. He he can match up. Um, I think Ben Simmons. We all know like he's not a perimeter guy at this point in his career, so it's just like. You, you can limit him as well. and like you That's said, another guy I've been critical on. I've been very critical on Ben. I said, I said um, in December, I said Ben Simmons is overrated. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's overrated. Uh, I'm, he, 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 I didn't mean to cut you off, but I know you're he, has, he has all the, um, he does a lot of things at a high level, mm-hmm. except for shoot. And in today's NBA, you, you, you obviously have to, have to be able to shoot. Yeah. Like, you have to have some type of shot, whether it's a, a consistent mid-range, an 18-foot shot, mm-hmm. or, you know, be able to hit a catch-and-shoot three. You have to do that in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you know, you're, you're a liability. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to rest on that. And I, I definitely say 
Raptors in five. If, if the Sixers do make it past the um, second round, well, kudos to them because I'm not, <laughs> not I'm not really seeing it right now. I'm gonna be honest, but hey, they might turn a little switch on or something like that and do it. I highly doubt it, but we will see. So let's um let's move on to the West. Uh, assuming Houston wins tonight, and mm-hmm. assuming they win this series, which we both think they will, we will have Golden State. In Houston, Houston mm-hmm. in the second round. Wow. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start. I think I think it's going to be good for Houston because, uh, you know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, by the time James Harden got to the Warriors, he was gassed out. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a little fresher this year. He's going to be able to play Golden State. But I don't see anybody beating Golden State four times. I just can't picture it, you know. It'll be you know, monumental and great if it happens, but I just can't see it. Mm-hmm. I just can't see. It's just Kevin Durant is the common denominator. Like, like they, at the end of the day, they got Kevin Durant, and then you know, obviously Steph and Clay. And we just saw like Clay. He didn't really have a good series against the Clippers, besides you know the Eastern uh, Easter Sunday game. Mm-hmm. But they just got guys that can go off at any moment. And not to say that James Harden and Chris Paul can't, but who else really can? It is. It's really tough because to me, like I said it before, Golden State hasn't had the best season to me. But what they do have is that edge of knowing how to win when it comes to playoff basketball because they have done it time and time again. So mm-hmm. when you have that type of experience on your team, you know what it feels like to hold up the golden ball and stuff like that. You already, I think, have a sort of edge when you're in that type of dynasty with guys who knows what winning feels like and advancing feels like. So, you know, the Rockets going to have to play this series like it is the championship. Yep. They're going like, to have to play like it's the Western Conference Finals. Like, they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. Like, like, 100%. I just, I think that they could personally get them. But like you said, in four, that, that would be absolutely tough. And I, I don't know where I stand on this series as far as a winner. Because I haven't been in love with Golden State's play. But I also know their abilities and how at mm-hmm. any given moment, like, it's like, oh, shoot. Steph is going off and everybody's going crazy about him on Twitter or it's the KD show. The fact that they have three rep, three weapons and we'll just say four and and. Draymond Green, if we want to, you know, be nice and add him in there or whatever. No, nah, I'm, I'm not going to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, he's a, he's a part of that group. And then um, um, Andre Iguodala, of course, a key veteran. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing well. That's good. Sean Livingston, they just have so many veterans. So it, it's hard matching up against them and to go against them. But at the same time, I, I would – I want to see something different. I want to see a different storyline this season. So that's why I would say I want Houston to win. I could see that. Uh, so I'm kind of glad you brought up how Golden State hasn't played their best and this hasn't been the best season. Uh, it hasn't. But, you know, when you look at it, uh, you know, the core outside of Durant, they've been to the finals every year since 2015. Yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, they're coming off of winning back-to-back titles. So when you're trying to go for that third P, I mean, uh, third P, three P, oh my goodness. When you're trying to go for that three P and win your third straight championship, 
it's I feel like it's more mental than physical. Like mm-hmm. I felt like in the regular season, they were just trying to get through the regular season. Like they were just let's just get to April. Let's just get to the playoffs. Like we'll figure it out then. So I feel like and, and they still were number one out west, which is crazy. And they didn't play their best, which is still kind of crazy. They didn't play their best. But, you know, we talked about off air when they played Denver, they, they destroyed Denver, who was, uh, you know, going to be one of the best teams, you know, regular season teams. But I think for Golden State, their, their best is yet to come. Like you said, I just I think you might see them play their best basketball. And I think, you know, they might also play up to their level of competition because I think they were, you know, you know, taking the Clippers as a cakewalk, which is, you know, part of the reason why they blew that 31 point lead. So I think, you know, their level of competition will rise. Like you in the NBA, you just, oh, I'm going to roll through this team today or oh, don't nobody want to watch that. So hopefully it's some bump in this series. I'm looking forward to it. Totally. All right. So last series, well, I, we kind of don't know, but we know Portland has punched their ticket to the second round. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's either going to be Denver or San Antonio. Denver's up three two, as we just mentioned. So I guess we can kind of go hypothetical. I guess if I had to say it would be Portland and Denver, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's actually that's, that's actually hard. Different. That actually would be a good series. Yeah, it would. That that would be different too because. Mm-hmm. Denver, they didn't make the playoffs last year, and Portland got swept. Mm-hmm. So this would this would be kind of new and fun. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like yeah, I feel like this would be really exciting. We know Denver's like a high octane scoring team, fast paced team, and you know Portland is pretty similar. They're they're a high octane team, you know, yep. like to, you know get a lot of shots up. So I think yeah, I think that series would be very very entertaining. But I would hmm, I don't even know who I would pick. Ah oh, man, that's tough. I think Jokic would be the X factor though, cause uh, yeah, I you know you know obviously you got the backcourt matchup. You have Murray and Gary Harris versus Lillard and McCollum, and then you know Jokic is you know it's Jokic, and then you know you know Portland they have Ennis Cancer, who I like I like Ennis Cancer, but I think mm-hmm. you know Jokic would be the key in that series, and then the two benches see how you know both benches would play. Well. I, I don't know. Well, if if playoff name is coming to play, I think I think <laughs> interesting. You know what I mean? If he could keep it up, I'm not going to say they're an unstoppable team, but I think when he's firing, you know, on all cylinders, his team kind of like feeds off of that energy. Like yesterday, when they were down 13, it was like this. I don't know this rise with him. And his teammates, like, I got your back. You got my back. Then let's do this type thing. That's what I felt like. Because when they were down 13, I'm like, dang, okay, see, they, they're probably about to take this uh, to another game. So I feel like when he plays well, his team kind of falls right behind him and, and you know, gets it going. Because CJ McCullum wasn't even playing good to me. Uh, in mm-hmm. that last game, his his shooting woes have been a problem. I think you know when he doesn't shoot well, that that doesn't do good for anybody. Like they hit a big shot down the stretch, though. Yeah, and the thing was, I think because of the the atmosphere and the energy that was going on in there, he kept shooting the ball. You know what I mean? You gotta 
do that, I guess. Shoot or shoot. That's what they say. But he didn't play the most um, spectacular game. He was one for seven from three. You can't do that if you expect to win the next series and, you know, bump heads with, well, we're saying potentially Denver, which we don't know. So that's a hard one to call. But I think that Dame's going to have to play good. He's going to have to keep it up. Don't let this one series be like you, you played well and then you disappear. That can't right. be storyline for this Portland team if they expect to advance and potentially beat Denver. Mm. Denver really, or the really, Yeah, Denver or the Spurs. And, uh, yeah, if that series – so if we did have that series, Denver would have home court. So I think mm, that's going to be very interesting. So mm-hmm. hopefully – Hopefully, I want to see that series. I really do. But um, uh, before I close, I really want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you want to share your social media to the audience? Yeah. Let me look at it because I be forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's okay. why I had to make my IG and my Twitter the same name. I had to just do that. I have underscores in my name, so it's the underscores that be getting me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so my Twitter name is Ty Carter, and that's two underscores. It honestly might be three, but as you start typing it in, it'll just pop up, and you'll see my picture. And then my Instagram name is the same exact thing. You guys should follow me. I post some sports stuff, and yeah, that's about it. Okay, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, guys, make sure y'all follow her. Uh, she does some really nice work, especially, you know, uh, locally. Some nice work uh, locally if you guys want to follow her. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I might have found me a co-host, y'all. It's been a long time coming. I've definitely been searching for a female co-host. So I just want to thank God for networking. Uh, networking is key. But I want to thank everybody for listening. This was a really, really... This is a long episode. This was fun. But uh, this, this episode 85, I want to thank everybody for listening, everybody for tuning in, everybody that's been supporting and showing love. Uh, it's been a journey. I hope to deliver 85 more episodes. I'm definitely not going to stop, but it's been fun. Uh, NFL Draft is tomorrow. I will be releasing this tomorrow afternoon, but NFL Draft is tomorrow. And NBA playoffs is going on. I'm, I'm guessing the Boston and the uh, Bucks series is going to kick off later in the week possibly this weekend but seriously i want to thank everybody that's been supporting me uh even if you're new to curry in the pie mike curry and uh yeah i love to talk about sports and that's pretty much it so i want to thank everybody for listening this is mike curry signing out episode number 85 is done peace